My beloved, the grass may wither, flowers may fade, but the word of God lives on forever. Please be at peace as you're seated. Okay, I know it's cold outside, and I know it's getting kind of close to lunchtime, but I need to ask you a question. This is a self-appraisal. You don't need to uh, tell us your answer, but are you happy with your walk with Jesus Christ? Are you happy with your walk with Jesus Christ? You may say yes. Been there, done that. Served on this community. Gone to church every Sunday. Edited the video, done all these things. Or maybe you're saying, well, then I, uh, I, I don't know about this walking with Jesus thing that you're talking about. Well, from my perspective, I hope all of you say no. Because if you say yes, you would be much akin to a mountain climber that is only aspires to go halfway up the mountain. Or a surgeon that doesn't want to do any more operations. Maybe a walk that's incomplete. An incomplete round of golf. Now for me, that would be all right. But if you're happy with the way or where you are now with Jesus, I would challenge you to say no. Because we've been called to move on toward perfection. Remember those words in Romans by Paul? John Wesley was thoroughly criticized for saying that, but in actuality, our journey is that beautiful process of sanctification where the Holy Spirit enters our life, leads us and guides us so that every day, we look less like ourselves and more like Jesus, moving on toward perfection. So I hope that your path of discipleship is one that is ongoing, that you have worn out knees and worn out shoes, calloused hands, and you need glasses. Because a walk with Jesus is a tremendous and beautiful thing. In fact, we are so... Um, we want you to be a better disciple of Jesus Christ. We want you to be different tomorrow than you are right now. As a matter of fact, I think, and please, if you get a chance, thank Emily for helping develop a website where the locus is spiritual formation, where the very focus of our website is not only to provide information and communication, but it's also to help you with your walk spiritually so that from the very start of you professing Jesus Christ as Lord in your life and through a process of sanctification, we want to help you along the way. We want to give you some guidance. We want to, as the church, help you find a small group to help you develop and be a part of a ministry. And thank you very much, Emily, for that. Thank Linda Mosley and her team for doing that as well. Well, we come now to the Great Commission. It is interesting that what has happened before the Great Commission, you can read the whole book of Matthew. Matthew is very, very Jewish. So this challenge at the end by Jesus is a magnificent one and a challenging one to now not just go to people that you're familiar with in Judea and Israel, but instead go to the ethnos, to go out to all nations and proclaim this message. And that's the Great Commission. You see, just a couple of days before, they found themselves in a garden in the Kidron Valley. The disciples themselves are armed to the teeth, 
And to their horror, they watched their master, their teacher, the one who told them about the kingdom of God that was now here and soon to come, was now in shackles heading up the mountain to see Annas, Caiaphas, later Pilate. To their horror, on a mountain he would be placed on a cross. They are filled with grief. But that's not the end of the story. Because over 500 people later saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. They did too on a number of occasions. Their valley experience was going to turn in a different direction. And just like the Old Testament uh, folks, we see that mountaintop experiences are a source for great news and something of God. We see Abraham going up a mountain. We see Moses going up a mountain. We see Elijah going up a mountain. And now the disciples, now unarmed, and 11 of them are now called to a mountain. Maybe it's the Sermon on the Mount is the same place in the northern side of the Sea of Galilee, but it is a mountain nonetheless. And Jesus gathers around them, and they fall down, something that they never did before the resurrection of Jesus. They prostrate themselves upon the ground. They place their foreheads upon the ground. And on this mountaintop, something remarkable is going to happen. On this mountaintop, there's going to be a commission. A commission to do something that they had never expected. And some of them maybe didn't want to do. But this message was so compelling that it was worth risking their lives over. And for the rest of their lives, they would do that. They would risk their lives and 11 or 10 of the 11 would be martyred. The power and the strength of this commission. They are changed forever by this command. What is it? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I'm always with you to the end of the age. That's good news, folks. But it's a great challenge, isn't it? You notice that Jesus didn't say, go and proclaim the gospel? Did you notice that he didn't say, go build the church up? Because it's built into the command. There was a, a chaplain for the United States Senate who looked at this passage very carefully, and he looked in the Greek, and he said, you know, what Jesus says is, as you go, as you go and make disciples of all, and make, and notice he's going to change the word, Disciple to learner. To learner. Instead of disciple, he said, go and make learners of all nations and then baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I think that's very interesting. Every Sunday, you'll hear the same kind of preaching. I'll proclaim the word. That's called kerygma. Number two is I'll teach you about the word. What I believe that the Lord is saying to us in that word is called didache. The third thing is it's called paranesis. It is once you've heard the proclamation of the word, once you have heard the teaching, then what's the result? What changes occur in your life because of that proclamation and teaching? And then lastly is homilia. 
That's the aspect of now that you have been changed by this, you've been challenged by it, whatever that might have occurred by hearing the teaching and the proclamation of the word. Now, how has your worldview changed from the lens that you have of viewing reality to now wearing the lens of Jesus Christ, to have the mind of Christ in all that you do, to look at it from the perspective of Jesus? That's what the commission is. That's what the commission is. And I call your attention to verse 22, that word obey. It means to keep, right? To keep the commandments. But I think the word obey there is very interesting because it also means observe. Now observe, uh, let's see, uh, using the word observe, what do you think? Uh, uh, I'm not sure why I'm looking at you, Deb, at this moment. Do you observe the speed limit? Okay, thank you for being honest. But this observe, but the word observe here also has the connotation of observation. This observation. What is Jesus saying? As you go, as you leave this place, I want you to go and make learners, people to understand. How will they learn about me? How will they know to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and learn to observe all of the commandments that I've taught you? It is an activity of discipleship, and over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk to you about practical discipleship. What does this look like? And what is happening is here is that they will know you. They will know me through what your life looks like. They will know that you are Christians because of your congregation participation moment, love, right? They'll know that because you love that you've internalized these, uh, these teachings, these proclamations, these ordinances and precepts and miracles and all that kind of stuff will now begin to demonstrate to others that I'm alive because of the way you live life. You see, in the first two things I mentioned of the proclamation of the word and the teaching of the word, that's where we stop. That's where we stop. We stop there because it's convenient. It just fills our mind, but it doesn't cause us to action. And so when Jesus says go, or as you go, in the process of you going and meeting people, live out your life so that people might know that I'm alive, I'm a savior, a guide, an advocate, and that life can be different that this is a call, my beloved, for all of us, because we're part of the ethnos, aren't we? We're part of that Gentile generation that we are to live a life like Christ, no matter what. So how do you do that? Ask me, how, how do I do that? You don't sound very convincing. One more time, how do you do that? You'll have to wait till next week when I start the sermon series. My beloved, I submit all this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.